good, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Coach's Challenge Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Kind, along with... And my name is Hunter Crawford. I am also a co-host on the podcast. We thank you for stopping by wherever you may be, however you may be listening. We got a great show lined up for you folks. This episode, our first one, we are going to be focused primarily on the NFL. We're going to be talking off, starting off with the NFL Draft. We'll move on later into some free agency news, and then Hunter and myself are going to offer some predictions and just some overall thoughts on the AFC West for the upcoming 2018 season. So starting off with the upcoming NFL Draft, because Hunter, believe it or not, we're already within roughly one month of the draft. Let's start with a simple bit I like to call fact or fiction. Simply put, we'll go over a couple topic lines that involve the draft, and we'll offer our feedback, and if we believe it is fact or fiction. So starting off with... Point number one, fact or fiction, Hunter, Lamar Jackson will be drafted in the first round. Um, You know, to be honest with you, Tyler, I'm going to have to go with fiction here. I do think Lamar Jackson has great talent, and I, I think he has the talent to play in the NFL, but not at the position he wants to play in. I think he would be a great wide receiver or even a halfback or a fullback, possibly, you know, I don't think he could play as a quarterback in the NFL, though. That's just the difference in style of play between the the NFL and the NCAA. I mean, it's it's just two completely different ball games, so to speak. I believe overall, talent-wise, no, I don't think he will be the top quarterback prospect in this draft. But I'm going to say fact. I believe Lamar Jackson will be drafted in the first round of the NFL draft, and here's why. There are enough teams currently that need a quarterback and need one desperately that somebody will overpay for this guy and draft him perhaps higher than he air quote should end quote go. Buffalo Bills, the Arizona Cardinals, these are two teams that really need a guy. Now I'm aware the Arizona Cardinals signed Sam Bradford as a free agent, but at this point he's not a long-term solution. As talented as he is, He's a bridge, and his knees are thinner than the ozone, so the Arizona Cardinals need to figure out some type of long-term contingency plan. The Buffalo Bills, the exact same way. They signed A.J. McCarron, Andy Dalton's longtime backup, to be their current starter, but same thing. If he was really going to be, he being A.J. McCarron, if he was really going to be somebody at this point in his career, we would know. These are two teams I could potentially see reaching for Lamar Jackson. Now, I don't think he's... I think there are three quarterbacks that go off the board before he does. Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, and then Josh Allen in whatever order, right? Now, I think Lamar Jackson goes probably, again, middle of the draft, like 18 to 20s. And if not in the first round, he's certainly then one of the first names off the board to start day two in round two. Mm -hmm. Whatever team there decides to take him or maybe somebody pulls the trigger there to trade up in the second round. But I think fact, I think Lamar Jackson, because it's a quarterback-driven league and there are enough teams that need quarterbacks or are willing to take chances on him, that he will go. Just just another thing as well. I think because we saw the success that Deshaun Watson was having at the beginning of the season, being that him and Lamar Jackson played a similar type of ball in college, they both ran a lot and they both threw a lot. I think if Lamar Jackson were to shape his game in the form of what Deshaun Watson was able to do, um, I think he could definitely have success. Now, while 
Lamar Jackson had not had to deal with any sort of injuries in college. I would want to see him get a little bigger. That would maybe be my primary concern if I was a general manager looking at drafting this guy is can he deal with the punishment of NFL linebackers and NFL linemen hitting him? But talent-wise, I would say he's right up there, and I would argue he's maybe even a better Deshaun Watson because he's faster than Watson was, and he hasn't been hurt, at least majorly. So I'm going to say fact on that one. So let's move on to our second point here, Hunter. Fact or fiction, the Giants will trade Odell Beckham Jr. Now, I I do think this is getting really interesting. Over the last couple days, we've seen more and more developments on the whole kind of scheme of things for the Giants, what they're looking for, and uh, what they kind of need for Odell Beckham Jr. Asking for two first-round draft picks for him, I think, is a little bit of a stretch, and I think they know that. I think they're aware. If you asked me a couple days ago, I would say, hell yeah, Odell Beckham Jr. is probably going to go to another team, but now it's really iffy. I can still see the Browns doing it because they have a first-rounder to offer up this year and still have another first-rounder in the top five, and then they could offer up another one for next year. Um, but I, I think it's really iffy. If there's any team that's going to offer a trade for him, it's going to be the Browns. They, that would really complete their offense, but I, I don't know. Um, I'm going to have to go with fiction on this one. I think there are multiple teams that have interest in him, but I agree with you in that the Browns would be the only team realistically that would probably pull the trigger, at least at what the Giants are currently asking for the guy. Depending on who you talk to around the league, there are a lot of people that really don't seem to share the Giants' sentiment about Odell in terms of their perspective of him being a head case. Now, I agree. He's a very talented wide receiver. Any team he goes to will immediately upgrade the position. But are they willing to pay the price that he's going to command in terms of wanting one of the most lucrative contracts in the league at his position? Because he has made it clear, even if traded, what he wants is a contract extension, even if it's with a new team. And you better believe he's going to want more money than Antonio Brown is getting, right? Which currently sitting, he is the highest paid player in the NFL of the wide receiver position. So... I'm going to say on this fiction, and here's why. I think, like you said, the Giants will certainly entertain phone calls. Rumor is the LA Rams have called them once or twice and had some conversations. But I think the Giants, and you mentioned the Browns, and it's a good comparison because the Giants are really just two pieces away from really becoming the Browns in the NFC. Mm -hmm. The two pieces being if you remove Eli Manning and then Odell. I mean, what do they have left on that roster? I mean, Evan Ingram looks promising, but if you have nobody to throw him the ball, it doesn't matter. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think, too, with the Giants, they'll entertain offers, and unless they get an offer, they truly can't refuse. Like you said, if somebody, for some reason, decides to give up two firsts, which I think is steep, for any position other than quarterback, that's where, if you're a Giants fan, or even like a fan of any team, and you're watching this situation, what the Giants would be saying, through action, not words, by doing this, by trading him away is that they're blowing it up, and they're starting from ground zero, and they're going to completely rebuild the team. And if that's the case... They have to take a quarterback. And I know right now, currently, they've tried to make it sound like they're not interested in a quarterback, at least with that first pick. They're not going to take a guy. But if you trade Odell away, I don't see how you don't take a quarterback with that pick. Or with the pick, you would have to surrender. So I think the Giants will entertain offers. But at the end of the day, I think fiction, I don't think they actually will pull the trigger because they frankly need as much talent as they can get. And this roster every year is getting more and more depleted. They still have Eli Manning, 
but for how much longer, right? Right. While they still have the guy, they need to start figuring out life beyond. And I think they would be really wise to find his successor this high in the draft as well, too. Yep, I agree. Okay, so uh, next up on our fact or fiction board here, I've got an interesting question for you. Baker Mayfield will be the best quarterback from this draft class in five years' time. Hmm. I'm going to say fiction, and then not lightly. This is hard. So the thing about Baker Mayfield, right, you hear all the comparisons to Johnny Manziel. You see all the comparisons to some smaller quarterbacks like Russell Wilson and Drew Brees. But I think he's not going to be the first. He's not going to be in that top three of quarterbacks that are drafted in this year's draft. Again, Donald one, Rosen two, Allen three to whatever teams, right? What's hard about this is I think what will dictate his success the most, especially with a guy who has some off-the-field stuff in terms of the arrogance, the police video, but his on-the-field energy where it sometimes can get him burned too, I think he has to go to a strong locker room. If he goes to a team like Cincinnati or some team where they really don't have an identity, like I would argue Buffalo now, I mean, okay, LaShawn McCoy and that's it. Like, I mean, I don't know who's who's the leader in that locker room. He has to go to a team where there is a strong leadership, Denver being one of them, right? A strong locker room. So it's possible he could be, but I really think where he goes will dictate this more than anything else because talent-wise, he doesn't get enough credit. Okay, everyone likes Josh Allen's arm in terms of the howitzer he has, slinging the ball arm strength-wise, but Mayfield has a very underrated arm too. I watched his pro day. He was putting really good velocity on some throws. He had nice touch as well too. The location of his throws was really proficient. But I think, no. I think overall, I think the other quarterbacks will end up being better. He could surprise me. And if that's the case, I mean, it's nothing personal. I'd love to see the kid succeed. I'd love to see him be a top 15 or 10 quarterback in the league. But I think his character stuff, the on the field issues, it's going to get in his way enough, not in the sense of Manziel, but just you can't be slashing your throat at the opposing bench in the NFL. You can't be grabbing your junk. And I know there's trash talk too, right? Every sport league has this, the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, but there's a threshold though that you can't cross that he generally does. And especially considering the position that he plays quarterback you better believe linebackers are going to want to hit him more than Russell Wilson or Andrew Luck, and the officials are going to be less willing to throw out late hit on sportsmanlike conduct penalties, you know, roughing the passer calls on guys like that if, same deal, coming and chewing out the refs. You know, that was a bad call. Well, okay, they hear that stuff too. So I'm going to say fiction. What say you, Hunter? Um, You know, I think it's really up in the air for me. Uh, there are a lot of variables, kind of like you're talking about, especially as to where he goes. Now, I have seen a lot of draft boards that put him going to Denver, which I think would be a surprise, but also not a surprise to a lot of folks. If he does go to Denver, I see him having that potential, and then I'll say fact. If he if he goes to a team like the Denver Broncos, I can see him being the best quarterback from this draft class in five years' time. However, that's kind of throwing trades and everything to the wind and just assuring that he stays with that team in that five years time um you know the league moves and shifts so much through the off season of every single season so it it's there's a lot of variables that are in play with this one at this point i'm gonna say fiction now i'm not gonna throw him out of the top five in that conversation 
because I think he's definitely going to be a top five no matter where he goes. But like you said, he has some issues where uh, he might run into seeing a little more progress in his game, which would make him a, uh, a goat, so to speak. So when you say top five, are you talking top five pick in the entire draft or like the quarterbacks? I, I would say top five quarterbacks. Now, I think if he goes to the Denver Broncos, he's going to be top five in the entire draft. That's really a, a very broad question. You've got so many different aspects to look to look at. You've got Bradley Chubb. Um, you know, there's some guys coming. Saquon Barkley, you know, coming out of this draft is going to be a beast. So, I will admit, Bradley Chubb will probably make Elway hesitant a little bit to pull the trigger on another guy if he's there. I mean, who knows, right? I think the other player that would do that, like you mentioned, is Saquon Barkley. Speaking of fact or fiction, Hunter. Saquon Barkley, when it's all said and done, will end up being the best overall player in this draft. This one's really hard for me to answer as well, mostly because it's all up in the air for me too. It really depends on what kind of offensive line he goes to play behind, what kind of environment he plays for, what city he plays in. I think you know the home field advantage thing is going to be a big thing if he's got a lot of fans behind him or, or some fans that don't even know who he is. I, I, I really think there are a lot of variables that – that play into this whole thing. But I'm going to say fact. I'm going to say Saquon is going to be the best overall player in this draft next year. However, within the next five years, that's very, very up in the air for me. I agree. I think fact. Saquon has the potential, potentially to be the best player, not only of this draft, but really of the maybe next five years, 10 years plus, he is probably going to be the best, in my opinion, running back in the NFL since LaDainian Tomlinson. And that's pretty. That's a pretty high standard to live up to. LT was a monster. He never really won as much as he should have with the Chargers because the Chargers are just inept. And that's where, coming back to your point, where he goes will dictate a lot of this, unfortunately. But I would argue Saquon Barkley is a more versatile and athletic Christian McCaffrey. He can catch the ball. He can block. He can return kicks. He did this at Penn State. And, of course, running the rock. He can run between the tackles. He's not afraid to do that. He can get the edge on you. He is a combine freak. Now, the combine itself isn't indicative of translating to on-the-field results in the league. For an example of this, the Kansas City Chiefs, a couple years ago in our drafts, drafted a guy by the name of Chris Conley in the third round of the wide receiver position. Dude put on a show at the combine. And, mind you... I wouldn't say Conley has been a bust for the Chiefs at wide receiver, but he's certainly not lived up to the hype that he had. Saquon put on a show at the Combine, and I think he, unlike Conley, will live up to that hype. Another example, you think about John Ross last year, wide receiver, coming out of Washington at Cincinnati, grabbed him in the first round at the ninth overall pick. Well, he set the record at the NFL Combine for the 40-yard dash. Blazing fast 40, mind you. But... He hardly played. He ran so fast, he honestly ran right into an injury at that combine. But Saquon put on a show. He's a great off-the-field kid. He's going to be a role model in whatever locker room he goes to. He is a game-changer, and that's what some of these teams need. Either the Colts, the Giants, they need a game-changer at this position. So I think overall, he's going to be the best player. Now, Quentin Nelson would be my close second at Notre Dame. I think in terms of bust potential, 
he's got the least. Barring injury, like all these guys, I really think Saquon will end up being fact the best overall player from this draft when it's all said and done. Yep, and and just another thing to look at with Saquon Barkley is he's got NFL strength. That kid is strong. He put on a better showing in the bench press than a lot of people did at the combine, and he is a running back. He was a beast at the bench press. So, you know, that's another thing to look at. He's got the strength to throw people around. So He benched more than some of the linemen did. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. That's ridiculous. And he's a running back, and that's the thing. It's just... I mean, and you think it's a lot of these teams that might have potentially some, maybe not rookie, but some young quarterbacks. If you can give your young signal caller a dude like that to hand the ball off with, immediately that makes your offense more versatile. There's less pressure on your younger signal caller. And just overall, it makes your offense more balanced and more dynamic. And it forces defenses to scheme you differently. If you can run the ball effectively every single down, it makes your offense overall more dynamic. And that's the secret to having a good offense in the NFL or college is being dynamic, right? Right. So uh, now we're going to move on to some free agency news coming out of the NFL here. Johnny Manziel just threw at Texas A&M's Pro Day. He previously had thrown at the University of San Diego's Pro Day. I guess they didn't really have a quarterback to throw, so he stepped in, had some teams looking at him. But from Texas A&M's Pro Day, I hear that the Patriots were really keeping an eye on the kid. And and I'm really curious, Tyler, do you think that he should get another shot in the NFL? You know, I think he should. I, I really do, and here's why. So, for throwing at Texas A&M's Pro Day, all 32 teams were in attendance, as opposed to 13 at San Diego's. Now, let's not deceive ourselves. The majority of those teams that were there were scouting other players, specifically at A&M, Christian Kirk, who very likely will go round one at the wide receiver position. The Patriots especially looking at him intrigues me, and here's why. Now, for starters, let's talk about the redemption piece alone. He definitely made some mistakes coming out of college. He definitely didn't take his NFL career, however brief with the Browns, nearly as serious as he should have. So I can understand the hesitancy with some of these teams on giving him perhaps another look. Because again, this is the NFL. This is a business. And therefore, you're not only wasting time, but money on some of these guys. It's not as simple as, oh, we'll just nonchalant give you another second chance. No, there's millions of dollars in play here. But at the same time, you look at what he did. It's not like he was some of these other NFL players where they were getting into drug problems. They were getting into domestic problems. No, he was just immature. The dude hadn't grown up. And let's face it, he had been pretty entitled fair to say, his most of his life up until this point. So yeah. I think falling in the first round of the draft humbled him. I think not having success with the Browns humbled him. Getting cut from the league humbled him. And I think he took that hard lesson of being humbled and really did better himself. And I've listened to some of the interviews he's given. I really think he's learned. Now, from the pro day standpoint, I think he can still play. And that's what he showed. Or rather, he can still throw. I don't think that's why teams are watching him. And if I was a general manager debating signing Manziel to my team, I wouldn't be scouting him because I feel like you know what he can do talent-wise and as a quarterback, rather, you need to be interviewing the guy. You really need to be doing your research, showing has he made the change he claims to have made? Has he really become a better person? Is he not going to cause problems in your locker room? And no matter what, fair or not, that's the other thing you have to remember with this is signing him to any team is going to create headlines and drama to your locker room. And any successful franchise knows 
you have to limit distractions in order to find success, which is interesting why the Patriots of all teams are looking at him because infamously, the Patriots have always tried to stay away from this. Yeah, you have the Spygate scandal, you had Deflategate, but it's not like they intended for that to happen versus, you know, you look at some other teams with the whole Colin Kaepernick situation in San Francisco. You look at now Michael Bennett with the Eagles and et cetera. You self-inflicted wounds. You don't want to bring unnecessary attention to the locker room. So the Patriots, I, I could see them signing Manziel because they have nobody else. Tom Brady has no successor. Maybe he's not the long-term guy, the heir to the throne, but I could see him being a placeholder as a backup until they figure out something either through the drafts or maybe just they decide to get some other free agent quarterback. Who knows? But I think, though, to answer your question, Hunter, yes, I believe he does deserve to get another shot in the NFL, and I do believe he will. Maybe not. I don't know if he will have a roster spot by the time the 2018 season rolls around. But I think somebody, because that same point I talked about earlier, because it's such a quarterback-starved league, I think somebody will give him a shot. And he said, too, even if he doesn't get a shot in the NFL, he will go to the CFL. So, again, there is somebody somewhere that will sign this guy to a roster spot. We also can't forget the XFL. Johnny Manziel, XFL, 2020. You heard it here first. Okay, I would agree with you. I think he gets another shot. I hear he looked really good at his pro day, but I would agree. I don't think that's what people are looking at. I think they're looking at the relationship he establishes with the people around him, how he speaks, how he acts, and I, and I do think he's going to get another shot in the NFL. Other free agency news, we've got Indomitian Sue signing with the Rams. Rams now have an extremely powerful defense. They've got Wade Phillips as their defensive coordinator, which we all know is scary. Are the Rams now the favorites to win the NFC, though? That's the big question. You know, I'm going to say yes with Philadelphia having a close second, and here's why. Unlike the Eagles, the Rams, you think about what Jared Goff did with his offense second year, his sophomore season, if you will. And now adding into that defense, Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib with Indomitian Sue and Aaron Donald on that defensive line. All of a sudden, this defense debatably has become the new Legion of Boom. I mean, the Rams now are where the Seahawks used to be. Now you think, okay, so Carson Wentz, number two pick right behind Jared Goff. They're on the same basic contracts, right? The number one, two picks. Goff's making slightly more money, but not really day-night difference. But both of them are still in the rookie contract. So sure, the teams overall have more salary cap space to work with. But I think the difference is in the secondary. I think the Rams secondary with having Tlaib and Peters gives them the edge over the Eagles. Now, the Eagles D-line is no joke either. Chris Long, Fletcher Cox, that's a nasty rotation. With Absolutely. Derek Barnett as a rookie, they can get after the passer. However, Absolutely. I think the Rams secondary and as a complete defense as a complete defense with Wade Phillips, I think Wade Phillips is the better coordinator defensively. I think the Rams really have a good shot at potentially going 13-3. and Now, the 49ers intrigue me as well, too. If They could give the Rams kind of not a run for their money, but might, you know, have to make them earn those wins. It's not going to be a freebie just chalk up two wins anymore. The Niners are coming back. I think it's the Seahawks that are really going to regress because now you look at what Seattle's left with. It's basically just Russell Wilson. Yep. They traded away Jimmy Graham. They have no tight end. Yep. They have no offensive line. Nope. They completely unloaded their defense as well. So it's like, I don't know what Seattle's doing. They're on the down. The Rams, 
are really, really doing nice things. I like what Sean McVay and that team is doing because for the longest time with Jeff Fisher and the other guys before him, they were just inept. They were just a joke, content with going 500 and that's it. But they were always capable of more. And remember, on the offense too, okay, Sammy Watkins walks out the door, but you still got Todd Gurley, right? You've got Cooper Cup, who as a rookie played pretty well in that offense. And whatever else they're going to do in the draft as well too. If they do pull the trigger on Odell Beckham, that's a nasty, Vicious. nasty defense and offense as well. So overall complete team, I think the Rams actually should be the favorites, barring injury, to win the NFC. What say you? Um, You know, I'm kind of partial to the Eagles. I love the city of Philadelphia. I love the Philadelphia Eagles. I love their story coming out of this last season, winning their first Super Bowl. I think they could definitely be looking for another because now they have that taste in their mouth. They know what that's like. I This is really hard for me. I think depending on what the Eagles do from here on out in the draft, who they get for their secondary, who they get to help them on defense, is that's really going to determine who wins the NFC. Because on one hand, the Eagles have Super Bowl talent, obviously. Carson Wentz was in the MVP discussion last year. He played a drive on a severe injury and still threw a touchdown. But they also have Nick Foles, if anything were to happen to Carson Wentz again, who won Super Bowl MVP. They have a great running back. They have decent receivers. Their D-line is great. They've all been proven in the Super Bowl. Now, the Rams are a young team. They're fresh. They remind me a little bit of the Broncos going... What year was that when the Broncos went and played the Seahawks in the Super Bowl and got destroyed? 2014, I believe. I think it was 2013-2014. Sounds right. They remind me a little bit of that team. Now, as a Broncos fan, that worries me a little bit for them. Big differences are young quarterback, young talent on offense, and a good and a good defense. But that offense has not been proven, so to say. They've not been proven. Todd Gurley had a great year last year. Sure. What did they do with it? Nothing. It really comes down to how the NFC plays against itself to see what the Rams will do. But I I do think it's possible for them to win the NFC, absolutely. And I think it's a tie between them and the Eagles. And by the way, I think it should be acknowledged, at least in my opinion, praise on both not only Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. Because I remember when both of those guys were drafted... There was a lot of doubt. There were a lot of people that were really quick to write them both off, not only from the colleges they came from, specifically Wentz, right, coming from the D2 school, but also then Jared Goff, kind of the air raid as well, and the system he played in. A lot of people are non-believers in the air raid, translating to the NFL. And then you look at what the Rams did his rookie year with Jeff Fisher. Again, everyone was really quick to use the B word, bust, and they just quickly wrote him off. And then look at what he did year two. And it, ma- and it really makes you wonder, right? Was it that the Rams were just that bad? Or was it that Jeff Fisher was just that bad of a coach? I, it- I think it's going to be the latter of the two. I think, you know, uh, he was awful. Fisher was not a good coach. Has never really been that good of a coach. He, he's gotten lucky a couple seasons with great talent on his team that actually knows more about football than he did. 
Um, I don't think anybody should let them anywhere near their organization ever again because the difference in play that we saw from the Rams this year from a couple years ago or last year, crazy. Cra- absolutely crazy. Nobody expected it. Everybody thought Rams last in their division, done. Going to suck. But that wasn't the case. No, and Sean McVay, too, being the youngest coach in the league, there was a lot of skepticism with him, too. You know, can this guy really lead a locker room of men when he looks like he could be out on the field with them, right? Yeah. Is he really going to be able to command these guys? And even though this isn't related to free agency news, too, it really got me thinking, like, could Vince Young, had he gone to a different coach, have actually been something worthwhile in the league? It really makes me wonder. Like, I don't think he ever would have sniffed Canton, right? He never would have gotten a jacket. But it really makes me wonder if he hadn't played with Jeff Fisher, could he have really been more than he was? And I think of some of the other players the Titans had, you know, and just these teams. Like, what could they have been if not for Jeff Fisher? Because really, I would say he was the Jay Cutler of head coaches, right? Not awful. I mean, he's around long enough to say, I mean, yeah... He won some games, but just at the end of the day, you looked at the talent he had on his teams. And in my opinion, the decision on if you decide to keep or fire a coach is you have to look at the roster and the results, right? It's one thing like the Browns and Hugh Jackson, where if you're not winning many games, but you have no talent, you can't blame the coach. I mean, you're asking the chef to make a five course meal with like ramen and water, right? But that's where the other side of it goes is if you have a good roster, you have talent, and you're still not getting results, that's where it's a coaching problem. And that's why it blows my mind. Jeff Fisherman had to have had pictures of somebody. like He had to have dirt on somebody to yeah, keep a job as absolutely. long as he did. There's just there's, there's just no, no way. way. No, there's no way. There's no way that any any organization would seem it logical to keep that guy there for as long as he was there, no matter if it was the same team or not. Everybody knew he was a bad coach because every team he went to sucked. So it's it's not – and we saw it on Hard Knocks. He just did not – frankly, he did not give a shit about his job at all. He didn't establish good relationships with the players. He wasn't a good coach. So – but I, I think we digress a little bit here. <laughs> just, just, a, just a bit because obviously Jeff Fisher is not going to be getting a job. Hey, maybe he goes to coach an XFL team. Who, who knows, right? Or college. You never know. Oh, God, going to college. (laughs) So anyways, here, let's change gears and move into the AFC West. So full disclosure to our audience, myself, I happen to be a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Hunter here happens to be a Denver Broncos fan. Huge Broncos fan, by the way. The best Broncos fan. So it'll make this uh, dynamic here a little interesting. And we'll talk about some of these things too because, Hunter, I don't know if you saw this. Just today as well, they added in a targeting rule. The NFL did, so we'll talk about that later as well, how that's going to affect things in the NFL. But starting with the AFC West predictions, first of all, are we buying or selling the Chucky hype over in the Bay? Let's talk about the enemy from, you know, not the enemy of my enemy is my friend because screw the Raiders, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, let's just get that out of the way. That That's the solace we find with each other. That's the olive branch is just screw the Raiders. I think anybody in the AFC West that is not an Oakland Raiders fan can agree that the Raiders suck. So the Chucky hype, am I buying into it? Am I not? You know, it's 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 one of those things that's really up in the air for me. And, and, I, and I don't know. I, I kind of – it's – I'm back and forth on a lot of these things that we've been talking about today, mostly because I haven't seen anything in full effect yet in the way it needs to be. I think he could be a great coach 
if he had great talent. But who do the Raiders have that he's going to utilize? They've got an aging Marshawn Lynch, Derek Carr, who's been tattered, injured, didn't have a very good season last year. They got rid of one of their best receivers. He's got Khalil Mack on defense, but like really, who do they have that they can? That's a game changer on that team. The Raiders are always that team that they they say like the Cowboys, right? This is gonna be our year. But they've been saying that for like the past ten and fifteen years. Like we're rebuilding, <laughs> but we're still rebuilding, and it's been fifteen years. And I agree. Like you look at the John Gruden as a coach. Okay, I think is the ultimate boom or bust coach. Like, a lot of times people talk about boomer bust players coming out of college, right? Like, RG3, oh, he's a big boomer bust, ended up being a bust. But John Gruden, I think, is a boomer bust coach. Yeah, he knows his stuff. I mean, you ever watch his quarterback camp, like the show, he really knows football. He loves it. He's been around the game, even if not coaching it, because he was casting the Monday Night Football games for ESPN. He was doing draft analysis and other things like that. But still, though, there is a difference between coaching the game and calling the game. And I really wonder, has he been out of it long enough to still be relevant? Because even though he's going to try to claim, hey, I've been around the game. I still know what's up. I know what these offenses are doing. And true to his credit, by calling a lot of these games, he's seen opposition, especially in his division. He knows what these teams are doing. He knows where these teams are going. And he knows what plays they like to run. But the game has changed. And I agree with you. Some of their offseason moves this year have really made me scratch my head. Now, mind you, as a Chiefs fan, I don't necessarily mind it, but it confuses me because I agree. Your running back one is an old Marshawn Lynch. Okay. You get rid of Michael Crabtree, and then you bring in injury-prone, older Jordy Nelson. Now, at their peaks, I would agree. I think Nelson is the better wide receiver, but that's just it. At their peaks, Crabtree is younger, and he's healthier. So you get rid of him for Jordy Nelson. Okay. Your secondary still has holes. As honestly, I agree with you. It's Khalil Mack and then maybe Bruce Servin, and that's it. They have no corners. They have really no safety. Carl Joseph, he's not a bust, but I don't think he's really been the guy that they were hoping he would be, no. the next the next Eric Berry, right, coming out of West Virginia. So I really think the Raiders, with their high draft pick that they have in this year's draft, I think it is going to be on a defensive player. But some of their moves, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to even make a wild card. And I know the Raider fans, of course, will try to proclaim every year the Super oh. Bowl, but they're delusional. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to happen. And I think now I could eat crow on this, okay? I really could, but I just don't see it. I don't see what the Raiders have done translating to a Super Bowl. I just don't see it, at least not this year. Now, Derek Carr overall, talent-wise, is a better quarterback than I think, again, some people do give him credit for. Derek Carr, when healthy, can throw, but that's also the other point you brought up. He's dealt with some injuries. The dude, maybe not necessarily his fault, but he's kind of struggled to stay healthy the past couple seasons, and I really wonder, has he really turned that leaf, or is he going to kind of deal with the lingering injuries? So I think the Raiders, they're not going to be a joke of a team, right? They're not going to drop the Cleveland levels. I think Gruden is too good of a coach to let that happen. However, though, a 10-year, $100 million deal for a coach... I just think that's crazy. That's just crazy. And I know why they did it too, because they're inevitably moving to Vegas. You want to bring in a big name guy to draw and hype in a new city. That's why they did it. And I understand the revenue and I understand that. And I think maybe that's why they keep Lynch too. While they're still specifically in Oakland, you're trying to say to the Raider fans that are there, Oakland guy, Hey, try to come to the games. 
But that's just nuts too because basically what they're saying is it's like if you're in a relationship with somebody, hey, I'm going to break up with you, but I'm breaking up with you for another girl in two years' time while we build our house. But in that meanwhile, I'm going to keep living with you. Hope that's cool, right? I, I, that's just I, – I can't believe the Raider fans in Oakland are chill with that. That To me, that's like the ultimate – that's worse than what Dean Spanos did with the Charger fans, I oh, would yeah. say. Oh, yeah, definitely. And you can tell that the Chargers fans felt stabbed in the back. And, and frankly, I am surprised that the Raiders fans have not had similar reactions. I, I know a couple of them have, but honestly, like, that whole fan base coming out of that area in California – leaves a lot of questions that that golden state area you know their loyalty leaves a lot of questions um and i think we kind of saw that this this last year when the raiders weren't doing as well you didn't hear very much from raiders fans at all um and it's going to be one of those things i i hope the move for them sincerely i do is better than the move to la was for the chargers because if they don't have home field advantage then the raiders are not the raiders so God, I mean, it doesn't even just sound right. Just saying it out loud, the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. It, it doesn't even sound right. Now, the Chargers, the L.A. Chargers, that's weird to say too, but the Las Vegas Raiders, yeah. it doesn't even sound right. And it, I, and moving cities too, that was part of the lure to get Gruden to leave the broadcasting booth. No state tax versus in California, different story. So that, <laughs> that that's, that's a big difference there too. But still though, I just, I think the Raiders and their expectations with their fans, they're just delusional. Now, I'm not saying the other, and we'll talk about the other teams here in just a moment. I'm not saying any of the other teams in the AFC West are, you know, miles above them, but I think pretty much all three teams, even Denver, is in better shape overall than the Raiders are because at least Denver still, for the most part, has their core defense. I know they got rid of Aqib to leave. They traded him, but now you still have Chris Harris Jr. You move Bradley Roby, assumably, to that other starting slot or spot a quarterback, cornerback, excuse me. Maybe you draft another guy. I saw you guys traded for that safety yeah. from Washington. A steal, frankly. I mean, fifth round he, pick he, he gave up for him? Fifth round and fourth round, I think. But I, I know he's deteriorating, but he plays a good game, and I think he will fit with our defensive scheme very well. And I, I do think we got a steal for him for sure. Let's talk about your Denver Broncos, by the way. So okay. are you a believer in case, or do you believe he is a bridge for whatever rookie John Elway might draft with your first-round pick this year? I can see it being either-or. You know, I I can see him hitting a couple snags, not playing as well. But that, that answer honestly depends on who we draft. If we go quarterback in the first round, then we don't have as much faith in him as we, as we need to. And uh, we have a couple more options. John Elway's thinking logically in that case. However... Thinking logically does not seem to be something that Elway does a lot of the time in the draft. Um, there is a saying around here that the Colorado Rockies are better at drafting quarterbacks than the Denver Broncos and John Elway because it, Russell Wilson ended up on the Rockies roster for a really long time. Anyways, I digress. I have seen a lot of uh, draft boards putting actually Baker Mayfield in Denver next year. And, and if that were the case, I would say he's going to be a bridge. But depending on who's left in the draft, who we take, if it's a quarterback or not, if it's not a quarterback, Case Keenum's the man. You know, I don't know what we're going to do in that case because, frankly, who we have on our roster right now would leave us up Shit's Creek without a paddle. <laughs> I mean, to be very, very frank with you. To be fair, 
from a Chiefs fan's perspective, what I will acknowledge is Case immediately is an upgrade over all three of the guys you had on your roster in that quarterback room Absolutely. last year, over Osweiler, over Paxton Lynch, over Trevor Simeon. In my humble opinion, I still think he should be a bridge for whatever rookie you draft, and here's why. Case has proved at this point in his career that he does belong in the NFL. Again, that B-word bust. He's not Ryan Leaf. He's not Jamarcus Russell. He can play. However, what this guy has also shown you is there's a reason why he has struggled to find a long-term home in the league as well. Teams very rarely let franchise quarterbacks out the door. That's not an accident. Montana and Manning being the exception. Now, the jury is still out on Kirk Cousins, right? If you're going to call him franchise quarterback or not, that's maybe another topic for another podcast. But what I will say about Case Keenum, though, is he will elevate the quarterback play from last season. He will throw to, more consistently, Emmanuel Sanders and DT Moore. They were heavily underutilized. I'm sure fantasy owners everywhere were definitely pissed. I felt it. I felt it. But the thing about it, too, though, with Case Keenum is what I believe NFL teams are starting to go back to is the Rodgers Favre mentality of drafting your guy and then sitting him for a season or two and not rushing him back on the field. I think that's what a lot of teams are going back to, and it works, at least more consistently. It, it does. Because the talent alone isn't always indicative of success on the field. So, for instance, you look at a guy like, oh, I don't know, Josh Allen. Maybe that's where – because. He's also been linked to the Broncos. The Broncos were at his pro day. Apparently, Elway has had a private workout with him as well. It would make sense as well, too, playing at Wyoming, a colder climate, higher altitude, already somewhat acclimated to it. But the thing about it is with your rookie quarterback, right, even if he's talented, right, they argue, devil's advocate here, he's going to be a future GOAT, Hall of Famer. Okay, well, talent-wise, perhaps, but experience is a different story. Defenders, NFL defenders know there's only so much of that playbook that you can learn from the offseason to training camp to week one. They know there's only so much whatever percentage of that playbook you can call. They know this, and they know that they can get away with more aggressive, riskier schemes because your play calls are going to be more vanilla. You're not going to run crazy triple option, halfback pass type things. No, you're going to run simple screens, easy throws, You know, get the confidence up, and they know this. So that's the trade-off, though, but you sit your guy. You let him learn more of the playbook, right? You also let him to learn read defenses better because that's the big thing too is you are going to see as a quarterback, a rookie quarterback especially, defensive coverages in the NFL that you had never seen in college before. You're going to see more exotic looks. You're going to see disguised blitzes, things that are really going to rattle your cage metaphorically. So if you can get more prepared for this by film prep, really working with your quarterback's coach, or if there happens to be like a mechanics issue, you can clean that up, whether it's with your delivery, with your footwork, because in the NFL, those small things matter. The accuracy, right? It really matters how you do release the ball. That's why people harp so much on the mechanics, because, okay, sure, in college, you can cheat this a little bit, depending on the defenses you're going up against. But in the NFL, guys are too good. They're too fast. You have to be on top of your game pretty much with every throw. So in my opinion, case is a bridge as he should be. Nothing personal against the guy. I think he's a nice professional dude, but he's not your long-term solution. I think what you do is you certainly let him play the entire season, him being case, barring injury. Starting next season, that's where maybe you give your rookie a chance with the ones in training camp and stuff. But maybe you still start with case week one in 2019 
And then maybe by the bye week, depending on how the season's going, that's where you debate giving him the keys. If it's going well, and especially if you guys are in the playoff race, then it's out of the question. You keep rolling with Case. But the thing you have to consider long-term future-wise, though, as well, is building your team. So you guys still need a running back as well, too. You guys do need to kind of reload the offensive line. And I think that's why you take a quarterback, too, because Cleveland, I don't think, is going to let Quentin Nelson drop. With Joe Thomas retiring, I think they're going to take him at the number four spot. Unless there's some weird trade that happens where the number four pick is no longer Cleveland's, because that's possible, too, right? Either Buffalo or Arizona could move up to that spot. In that case, disregard this. But I think unless somebody trades up to four, that Cleveland Browns spot from Houston... I think they draft Quentin Nelson because that would be the one exception I would say, Hunter. If Quentin Nelson was there at your pick, I would say pick him. But I don't think he's going to be there. Same thing with Saquon Barkley. If Barkley's there, somehow, maybe pull the trigger. Or or maybe, what do you think about Bradley Chubb? Because Bradley Chubb next to Vaughn Miller, that would be really interesting too, though. I think, honestly, with the talent we already have on defense, we're very effective on defense. We know how to play defense. We know how to run our defense to be effective. We saw that in the first quarter or first half of every single game we played this last season. I think we need as much help on offense as we can get, making sure that the defense is not out there for more time than any squad put together. The defense got tired this season, and and they just could not play up to the ability that they had in in the past, and I think that can be attributed to the offense not playing up to the caliber that it needed to. One thing that I guess you could argue against the bridge of Case Keenum, that that whole theory would be is we tried that already with Peyton Manning. However, I can see the counter arguments because Peyton Manning played for the Broncos not very long, didn't have very much time to be exposed to those people. We also didn't draft very high quarterback talent. Paxton Lynch wasn't a very highly rated quarterback Chad Chad Kelly was not a very highly rated. We haven't even seen that kid play. I don't know what he's doing. He could have gained 200 pounds by now, and I wouldn't know. Trevor Simeon, not very good. Brock Osweiler, shouldn't have gone where he went. Not very good. And, and I think that's one of our big issues is we want the bridge to work, but we don't draft the talent to make it work. But, you know, we've tried it in the past. Hasn't worked out. Who knows, though? Maybe maybe we can get it to work this next season. Well, remember, even LeBron James misses free throws, right? And that's part of the risk. You aren't going to hit on all these guys, but Elway himself said he's going to keep swinging. And I think, again, you have to. Until you find a guy, you got to keep trying. You got to keep swinging. Now, let's change gears and talk about my team here. The Patrick Mahomes show. After the Chiefs traded away Alex Smith to the Redskins for a 2018 third round pick and cornerback Kendall Fuller. Obviously, it's Alex Smith's gig no longer. The reins have now been passed to Patrick Mahomes, second year quarterback out of Texas Tech. Now, you mentioned earlier the Broncos were potentially giving Baker Mayfield a look. I think if they draft him, this would be really interesting. And here's why for those of you that are unaware of this, Mayfield did not start his college career at the Oklahoma Sooners. No. He was at Texas Tech Yep. until this guy by the name of Patrick Mahomes came into town. Coach Cliff Kingsbury said, hey, as good as you've been, Baker, for us, this kid Mahomes is something else. There was another guy, Davis Webb, who also was the quarterback there or one of them at the time. Same thing. Cliff Kingsbury said, you know, Davis, you're a pretty good guy. Yep. You got a good arm, but 
This Mahomes kid is something else. So he transferred to Cal. Yep. He got drafted, I believe, in the fourth or fifth round to the Giants in this past draft as well, the 2017 NFL draft. But talking about Patrick Mahomes here, okay? Are you or are you not a believer in him as a quarterback? In my personal opinion, of course, maybe a little biased and hopeful because I want him to succeed. I really think he's going to be, and there's a couple reasons behind this. For starters, he has been around professional sports most of his life already. His father, for those of you that are unaware of this, was a professional pitcher in MLB for a long time. So growing up, he's been around the professional locker rooms of sports. He knows how to handle the media. His dad taught him right how to deal with this. And he's not in awe of the limelight because I feel like that's sometimes what gets people kind of starstruck about coming to the league from college if they've never been around it before. He's used to it. I mean, he's been on the field. He's met Derek Jeter. He's met Mariano Rivera, the Yankees. He's met a lot of stars. He's not in awe of it. And I think as well, too, Alex Smith, as much hate as that guy has gotten in his career, right? Alex Smith really mentored this guy. I think Alex Smith really took it upon himself to go even further, that extra step of here's how you handle the media. Here's how you prep each week for your games, how you watch film, how you lead men in that locker room, which is incredibly important. As talented as you are, it doesn't mean you're going to be a great leader. And I think Mahomes can be that. And you listen to what he said. Now, most of the season, reporters really weren't talking to him because there was no point, right? But obviously, once the Alex Smith trade came down, lots of mics were pointed his way. Everyone wanted his two cents, what he thought about it. Nothing out of this kid's mouth was anything less than humbleness, crediting his teammates, his coaches, lots of praise for Alex Smith. And he said something that really stuck out to me on one of the NFL interviews. I believe it was maybe Jim Rome, but somebody was talking to him about you know, his preparation. No, now that you're the starting quarterback of the Chiefs, are you going to change how you prep? And Mahomes' response that he gave was really, really impressive to me. He said, Mahomes, if unless the team was traveling, right, on a travel day or something, he was at Arrowhead Stadium every morning at 6 a.m. either to watch film, to work out, do whatever it was needed the team needed him to do because he said his prep and mentality every week as the backup was as if he was the starter because it's true you never knew as a backup when you would need to be need to ask to be come in and play because if somebody got hurt you can't plan for that right but the humbleness everything he says you know he's got that Tom Brady work ethic he really does and I think he came into the league with a chip on his shoulder because he knew just like Deshaun Watson just like Mitchell Jabisky everyone was looking forward to this quarterback's class even last year Everyone was writing off all these quarterbacks like, yeah, yeah, they're okay. But this next quarterback class with Darnold and with Rosen and with Allen, you know, that's where it's at. This class, eh. And he also heard the air raid argument as well coming from Texas Tech. He knew many, many quarterbacks have come from this air raid system. Very few have found success, if any at all. He really wants to be the first guy to break that mold, to find success, and to show guys that are coming through it that you can be an NFL quarterback. You can find success. His style of play also makes me wonder, with adding Sammy Watkins, with Tyreek the free kill, with Travis Kelsey, with Kareem Hunt, and remember Spencer Ware, the other running back in that backfield, ripped his MCL against the Seahawks in preseason. He didn't even play at all last year, so he's coming back too. Mahomes' gunslinger mentality, that's the difference between Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. Alex Smith played not to lose, but Patrick Mahomes will play to win, and that's the difference. And he said it in the interviews too, he doesn't care how many yards he throws for, he doesn't care his stats, 
He just wants to win. And that's what he acknowledged too at Texas Tech. He put up video game Madden numbers, but they didn't win enough. Now, mind you, he had arguably the worst defense in FBS, which if you put up 50 points a game, doesn't matter when your defense gives up like 55. But Mahomes, man, I would say has a better arm than even Allen does. Josh Allen from Wyoming. Because he had that baseball background from playing shortstop especially, this dude, if you watch his film in the preseason and against the Denver Broncos, which, by the way, we were at that game, cold as hell, but we were there. Yeah, we were there. But you watch what he could do with his arm, his ability to make plays something out of nothing, to ad lib. I, I mean, there's never going to be another Brett Favre, and a lot of people have tried since him to replicate Brett Favre. But I think Mahomes is the closest thing we're going to get. And I think he's going to be his own style. He's going to be a Russell Wilson, Brett Favre type hybrid. And again, as a Chief fan, I know this is like kind of a stretch because he hasn't proven a lot yet. But I really think he's going to go out there. He's going to prove why he was the 10th overall pick in the draft. Why the Chiefs traded up from 27 to 10 to draft this guy. I think Sammy Watkins, same thing, is going to prove he belongs. Why he was the 3rd or 4th overall pick to Buffalo way back when. He has been underutilized. You watch the film. Everyone hates on Sammy Watkins or thinks he's overvalued because the numbers don't really justify the contract he signed. But if you watch the film, he gets open. He gets separation very consistently. The difference is a lot of his quarterbacks never threw him the ball. You think about EJ Manuel and Tyrod Taylor and Buffalo. Those guys aren't goats. Jared Goff, yeah, was a better quarterback. But remember... Watkins went to the Rams mid-season, so that same argument of he didn't have much of the playbook down, well, therefore, you couldn't use him on every down like some of the other guys, so of course his numbers were going to be lower. But I think the Chiefs, call me crazy, really could have a good shot at actually winning not only the division, but maybe even being a serious contender in the AFC, because it's the same argument with the Rams. If Mahomes can ball, right, if he's the guy he's supposed to be, I, I mean, hey, you look at what we have left with Eric Berry coming back on defense, too. That's a pretty nasty team. It's, it's not a stretch to assume that they have a chance at all. Um, and I would agree with a lot of what you said. The kid's got a great arm. Uh, I believed I watched a couple snippets of him. I can't remember where it was. It might have even been before the draft, before he got drafted. Uh, they were testing arm speed, how fast he could throw the football Kid threw a football 68 miles an hour. Now, I know that sounds really slow compared to baseball, but you have to think. Full-size footballs are hard to throw that fast. It's ridiculous that he was able to do that, and that means a lot for the Chiefs. If he can do that regularly while he's standing still, if he can throw just under that while he's running, which I'm going to admit I saw a lot of when I was there at that game, it's scary for me as a Broncos fan to see him in the future. Now, he has to stay away from injury. He has to stay away from anything that could taint his ability to play unhealthy diet because that kid is a beast. He could be seriously one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time if he stays healthy and if he continues to produce. So... I think we're kind of coming to the end of the podcast here. We've been going on for about an hour, but I do have one more question for you, Tyler, before we go. The L.A. Chargers, will they be able to experience a home field advantage this year? <laughs> no. no. I, I Hell no. 
It's so sad because can you imagine being a player on that team? It's louder when you're on offense. I I mean, it's the L.A. you know StubHub Stadium, home of the L.A. Galaxy and whoever the Chargers are playing that week. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's 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 ridiculous. You know, I don't think I ever heard one like super loud cheer for a Chargers touchdown this year when they were at home. They never once this year had home field advantage. Nobody cared to come watch their games. No. At all. And it was the same for the Rams. Nobody really cared about the Rams either. No. At all. But the Rams were good. (laughs) The Chargers aren't. That's the difference. Absolutely. Anyways, folks, I think this is the end of our podcast here. We really appreciate you joining us, uh, hearing us uh, kind of ramble on about everything that we, uh, we, we like to talk about. So we really appreciate you listening in. Yeah, absolutely. And if you can give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we really appreciate it. Give us a like, comment what you liked, what you didn't like, what you'd like to hear us talk about in the future. Next episode, we're going to be covering more football as well as some basketball and NHL news. Thanks, you guys. We'll see you next week.